I want to continue in this Psalm 34 that Jared uh, seated my life with a few days ago, a few weeks ago. And his, his uh, topic that morning was found in Psalms 34 and verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Blessed, again, in the Beatitudes means happy. And happiness is, as many times, is not just a feeling. A happiness can be a season in our life. And though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the psalmist said, we don't have to fear, have any fear because he's with us. And he's with you this morning. He's with me. And he's going to guide and direct us no matter how we feel. No matter what situation we may be facing, he wants to take us by the hand this morning, and he wants to lead us. So we're going to look to verse 3 and 4 as we look at this topic. It's up to you and I. to. We can either decide that we're going to need help, and we can open the, God's Word and let it be a lamp unto our feet, a light to our pathway. We can taste of the goodness of God just by spending time with his, in His Word, because God and His Word are inseparable. I'm, I'm, I am holding my, in my hand the Lord this morning. Amen. He's near my heart right now. Guess what? Because I've tasted of what's in here, and I've hid it in my heart that keeps me from sinning most of the time. He lives inside of me. I don't have to, when I walk away from this podium this morning, I'm not walking away from God. But there's some knowledge in that book that I'm going to need as I take the journey through life. And so as we process what the Word is all about, not only is it a lamp in our feet, it's instruction for the day. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And all of us need strength in time of our coming and our going. Where do we find that strength? By reminding ourselves, by tasting of what God's Word has to say. We are reminded and we, as we go to the Word, as we come to the table of the Lord, His reminder is always fresh and anew. And though the outward man may be perishing day by day, the inward man can be renewed. Have you ever seen anybody that was only real young in age, but they were already, they should have already had the funeral for them? Don't look around, they're not here today. Neither do they attend this church. But you know, when people lose hope, when they lose, everything, everything's gone bad. I mean, and, and we hear this, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Have you ever heard that? Listen, we don't walk by luck. In fact, I don't even believe in luck. We walk by faith and not by sight. But let me ask you, how many have cheated on that test and you have allowed what you see discourage you or maybe defeat you or maybe rob you of your joy or maybe just want to, you want to just throw in the towel and quit? God's Word is always on His table this morning. And we also have a table inside of us where we can be fed from the table of the Lord and the blessings that come from God's word is always refreshing and they never bring any sorrow. Let me ask you this this morning. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and the waiter had a bad attitude? The waiter didn't speak to you correctly. She didn't pay a whole lot of attention. And when she brought the dishes to the table, she just kind of gave them a toss. And every now and then, the waiter, uh, she just acts horrible. Uh, she just kind of looks at you and waits for you to start the conversation. Well, here's what I see. When I enter a restaurant, I create an opp opportunity for them to work. No coming equals no customers. 
and no customers equals no income. And the waiter's there to serve you. Don't shout me down. I'm not talking, if you're a waiter this morning or a waitress, I'm not talking to you. This is their purpose. A correct attitude will always reflect in these statements. Yes, sir, it's so good to have you folks today. I'm gonna, we just happen to have a table seated right where it's the warmest in January. I, I, I want you people to have this table. And, they, and maybe they pull out the chair for your wife or your, or your friend to sit in. And they, be, and, they been, and they say, can I bring you something to drink? And, and as we sit at the table, our eyes follow them because there's something about them. They said something that made us feel at home. They were personal with what they had to say. Maybe they said, my, you have a nice dress on today. I really like those shoes you're wearing. Where do you get those shoes? And all at once, our life opens up because they're bringing light to our path. They're, they're lighting up our life. They're stirring something inside of us that we really like. And then they come back to the table with your drinks. and said, can I get you folks some appetizers? And, and that appetizer on the second page, let me show you, that is extremely good. I had that yesterday. And I'd love to recommend it to you. Is there anything on the menu today that I can explain? I'd be happy to do that. When you get that kind of a waiter or waitress, the kind who's concerned about your well-being, who doesn't think you came to the restaurant for them, who acts as if uh, you, the restaurant wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you, who behaves like you're the only reason they're there. It's a wonderful experience, isn't it? All of a sudden, when you get to check, and you measure the amount that's on that check, you begin to calculate the tip. And you look at the, at, the, at the balance, and you think, well, 10% this, 15%. And the lady comes back and says, can I get you anything else? For, would you like to have something to drink for the road? And all it wants you, I don't care what kind of a tipper you are, you move from a, oh, Lord, don't let me say that word, a selfish tipper <laughs> to a great tipper. <laughs> Why did you do that? Because she cared about you. She, made per she, made, uh, she sent a personal message to you that she was so glad that you came. And the bottom line is, you said, I'm so glad that you acted the way you did. Amen. I went to a restaurant one day with a preacher, and he was our guest. And I went to, we went to the lo a local restaurant, and uh, he looked at the menu. He ordered something. When the waitress came, he, he, he kind of picked through it, and he said, ah, that's, that needs to go back to the kitchen. And immediately I, I set my brakes, and I set my, when you see me do this, <laughs> things aren't good. It's not because I'm acting religious. I'm wondering what's going to happen next. And when the waitress came, he said, honey, that needs to go back to the kitchen. This isn't right, and this isn't right, and the bacon's already too crisp. I, I, need, I need you to do this over for me, and this is the way I want it, and this is the way I want it, and this is the way I want it. And inwardly, I was saying, this is the way you're going to get it. You ain't coming back here again. And he didn't. You see, there's a great lesson we can learn sitting at somebody else's table. Don't shout me down now. I'm, I'm really doing good. I'm really doing good. But the most important thing I want you to know is the Lord wants you to sit at his table. And when you sit at his table, he's so blessed. 
He's so attached to you. He wants you, he wants you to sit at the best table, which is the banqueting table. He wants to bring out the best silverware, and he wants to bring out the china, and he wants to set the table like he would never see you again. He'd never have another opportunity to wait on you again. Well, can I tell you something? Your pastors this morning aren't the only waiters. You're a waiter too, and you're a waitress too. And the world out there is watching to see how you're going to serve them every day of their life. And I'm saying something this morning that's just coming from the presence of the Holy Spirit. This isn't in my, my notes today, but I'm just reminding you of what the Bible says. And as I was thumbing through the Bible, my Bible this week and making preparation for the message, I came across something that was, has been very valuable to me, and, and I hung on to it with everything I had. And now I'm going to see if I can find it. Oh, come on, Jesus, help me, Lord. I know it's in here. Is quietness bothering you? Good. I know I'm at the right place. Help me, Jesus. It was so good. Oh, man, I hope I can find that. Third time's a charm. Anybody get nervous? Right. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Jesus. You see, nothing really counts that's on this side of it, does it? But it's on this side that's really what matters. And this is over a year old, but I'm still hanging on it for, for dear life because it means a whole lot to me. It's our associate pastor holding his youngest daughter and his wife and three children that's standing with him. And the last line, uh, it, it has such a nice write-up. But the last line, he says, they uh, were looking forward to being a part of Elm Grove Community Church and leading from a servant's place and heart. Amen. Oh, he had a great resume. But isn't it awesome, the last line sometimes of what we say? is the most powerful. I knew before he got here, he was tailor-made. You see, the servant's heart is what causes us to want to wait tables, the table of the Lord. It's what gives us the, the desire to wait tables. And I, I listened to the kitchen in the kitchen last uh, Friday night and, and all the hilarious sounds and the music and the, of, of laughter that was going on and I thought a merry heart does good like a medicine and these people may be eating pork ribs and cornbread and beans and all the kinds of salads but I can tell you there's a medication that's flowing in the air of this place and it's laughter it's, it's true laughter and, and as I began to enjoy the laughter there you know, and following the Lord, in case you haven't ever noticed this, there's always distractions. Have you ever noticed that? No matter how good the party is, there's always distractions. 
I was dishing them. I was filling the meat on the on the on the plate of those that came through, speaking to everybody. And after everybody was fed, I, this gentleman comes comes by, and I, I recognize him. He's he's almost as ugly as I am, not quite, but I knew who he was. He had been through the line before, and he's got a fresh plate. And so I loaded him with meat again. And he goes to the table, and I thought, that man has a whale of an appetite. When he picked up that plate, he had an, another plate behind it. And he, when he got to his table, he folded that plate over, and he, he talked to the lady that was with him. And in about five minutes, he's back and getting another plate. And, uh, and there was two plates with it. And he comes back, and he smiles real big at me. And I just make sure that I put enough meat on there that that plate would break if he wasn't holding it right. I mean, confession's good for the soul. I ain't perfect. I just thought, you come back for thirds, I'm going to load you down, buddy. And I did. And he carried it back to his table. And he he was well-dressed, nice, well-groomed. And he pulled the bottom plate out. And then he gets the ladies with him to hold his bag and he puts three plates into his carryout bag. And all the time the laughter was going on. I mean, that kitchen was hilarious. Uh, it was just, it was bubbling over. But in spite of all the medication of laughter was going on, guess what? I had let one man distract me. And I was missing the show behind me because I got distracted. Oh, sure, I, I was just, you know, if I could have just took my apron off and act like I wasn't a preacher, I'd went back and thumped him on the ear. <laughs> I'd said, give me, give me $15 instead of five. But the Holy Spirit says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see Jesus. There are times after times after times in the midst of some of the greatest times of our life that the enemy wants to distract us. But I've got good news for you. Psalms 34, verse 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? Let me just, in, in, in country terminology, let me tell you what magnifying the Lord is. When you get so mad, you could bite a 16-penny nail in two, and instead you say, Jesus, help me. That's it. Are you getting the picture? I'm getting some far away looks this morning. What does he mean? You see, meekness is not weakness. It's harnessed power. Don't shout me down now. What happened? David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Listen, David wasn't perfect. He probably made more mistakes than any other character in the Bible. But he always could wind up asking for forgiveness. He could always say, Lord, cleanse my heart, purify me so I can teach transgressors away and sinners can be converted. And David learned to magnify the Lord even when Saul was trying to take his life. In verse Four says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. How many have ever been afraid you might just say the wrong thing? You never go in places where the opportunity would be available. 
and you were just really scared that you might say the wrong thing. Have you ever entertained this thought? If they just knew what I know. Those are times we need to taste and see that the Lord is good. I sought the Lord. When do we seek the Lord? Most of the time, many times, fear, doubt, and unbelief causes us to search for the Lord. We want to turn over every stone. Lord, where are you? I need you. I'm in trouble. I'm in over my head. David said just, he just sought the Lord. Lord, here I am. You know what I need. You, you know how to help me. You're a present help in time of need. You said, you know, those that, those that fear you, Lord, perfect love cast out all my fear, but I'm afraid anyhow. David said, I sought the Lord. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody, and while you, they were talking to you, they just turned and started talking to somebody else? Jesus will never treat you that way. He wants to hear everything you got to say. In counseling, through the years, when people were at their odds, I would begin with the wife, and I would say, I want you to tell me every bad thing you can tell me about your, your spouse. And uh, they would talk till they, ran, they would get silent. I'd say, is there anything else? Can't you, can't you just think of one more thing? They would think, oh, yeah, there is something I forgot, and they would tell me that. And, uh, and I'd say, I want you to think real hard because we're not going to go that way anymore. I want you to think, is there anything else you could tell me about how bad or something you don't like about your spouse? And as they were at the end of the journey, they would say, that's it. I'd always take the trash can from out under my office desk, and I'd say, now, let's put all of that here. That's called garbage. And can I ask you to do me one favor? Please don't go to the garbage can one more time and remind your spouse of his past. And then, and then, men, we may be last, but we're not least. I turn to the gentleman and I say, this lady you took for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and health, so long as you both shall live. What do you have in your heart about your the lady of your life, the dream that has came true, the one that you said you'd take for better, for worse, richer, for sickness and health, as long as you both shall live. What are the things that you'd like to say today that you don't like about her? I'd like to say that I've never, I'd like to say this. I've never heard a man before said, I don't have any. I've just enjoyed listening to hers. No, it, never, it doesn't work that way. It's a two-way street except for the Lord. And when we cast all of our cares upon him, he cares enough for us that uh, he doesn't shame us for our past. He don't grade us by our past. But as far as the east is from the west, when I seek the Lord with my whole heart, it's a forgiven deal. Ah. Oh, taste and see. Let me ask you, who else can treat us like Jesus treats us? Who else can look at our past? I'm telling you, it, it's just awesome to get a hold of the fact and taste and see that the Lord is good as far as the east from the west. He don't want to talk to us about our past. He wants to talk to us about our future. And today, there are people in this building who have way greater past history than I have. There are people in this building that you've never been to where I've been or done what I've done. 
But the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we've all did that, what does all mean? It does, doesn't it? It means every one of us. David says, uh, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let me say this. Wouldn't that be a reason to magnify the Lord when we, knew, when we know how good he's been to us? Wouldn't it give us a, a longing desire to magnify the Lord when we, when we knew that we had lived up to what was, has been expected of us? And yet, yet David says, just magnify the Lord with me. Have you ever noticed this? When you're magnifying the Lord, it's hard to think about something bad when you've got your mind on what you're doing. Have you ever had a school teacher that said, if we could just get your mind where you're at today, you'd make some good grades in this class. Jerry, I'm not talking about Marilyn. I know she's never acted that way. I, we have school teachers, retired school teachers here. I'm telling you, their hair may be thin, but they can say I made it through. <laughs> My hat's off to every school teacher today that's here this morning. Jesus is the best trainer and the best teacher that we will have. And as we look at America today, as we look at what's going on, and we see the things that are happening in America, can I ask you this morning, you know, I, 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 my business is the church. I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing. I, I love people, and I always meet people that are reaching out for help. And sometimes I don't, I don't have the answer to their situation, but nothing can take the place of a hug and a word of encouragement. Many things the songwriter says about tomorrow, I don't understand. But I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Sometimes it's just walking up to a casket and laying my hands on two parents that said goodbye to a youngster or maybe a, to a spouse that's lost the love of their life. Just my presence. I don't have to say anything. Just my presence lets them know. They're not walking this pathway alone. They're not facing this alone. As a shepherd, I want them to know I'm, I'm standing with them, but greater than me is the presence of the Holy Spirit that is, abides in me. And here's what he says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he's talking to me, then you can ask what you will and it shall be done. And my fa your father will be glorified. You know, it's not how good I can talk and how, how good I walk. It's about what's on the inside of us. What's on the inside? What makes the preacher's heart tick? It's just being able to walk into people's presence that are hurting. It's just showing up and looking through the bars at somebody's son or daughter that's done the wrong thing. Sometimes it's just knowing the, sh the shattered dreams of somebody's life or somebody has knocked a foul ball and everybody's yelling and screaming, look what they've done. It's just awesome for the pastor to walk up and hug them and just hang on to them. And there's three words that speak louder than any other three words that I've ever spoke, and they're these. I love you. I felt... I felt the shaking of many, many people at those three words. How do we feel when we've done the wrong thing or made the wrong decision? How do we, how do we feel when our best friend has let us down? How do we handle the things of disappointment? 
we can't handle them right without the help of the Lord. And America needs help today. I'm going to ask the guys in the sound booth to put the flag up for me on the overhead. And we're going to close the service in just a few moments with a prayer for America. America is the greatest place that we could live. We can choose where we want to go to church. We can shout hallelujah, amen. We can make decisions that other countries can't do. And we're not afraid in America that we're going to get our head cut off for going to, to church and worshiping the Lord. I mean, I mean, just think about the blessings that God has given to America. And we, we can make choices as to what restaurant we're going. We know they're going to have food when they get there. And many places around the world, there's no restaurants open today because there's no food. Oh, I know America's not perfect this morning, but I believe in my heart that America is ready for a great awakening. Spiritual slumber has slipped across our, our country today, and many times it's had the effect on the church, and it too has plunged into a season of apathy and ineffectiveness. Only 17% of Americans attend church on any given Sunday. The United States is now known as number 17 in the most wanted mission fields in our world. And the percentage of American youth today who have a biblical overflow of God's word is at a record's low. While the church continues to struggle with division, fear, and public failure with numerous leaders. I read where five out of ten marriages again will fail this year. Let me get to the serious part this morning. I read where five out of every ten leaders of our church world that are called pastors will fail this year. And as you look at the staggering news that floods your heart and you see that everything that's going on in America and around the world today I reach to the pages of history, and I begin to look at what happened when America needed awakening years ago. In the early 1900s, there were people in, in churches that began to pray and fast and seek the Lord, and God sent a great awakening, not because the people were perfect, but because people cared, and they plugged into the power source of one who cares. No one ever cared for us like Jesus. No one ever carried us through the storms like Jesus. And today, I'm challenging my church family this morning. America needs a great awakening. And before I can take it real serious with America today, I look in the spiritual mirror of my own life and I say, Lord, awaken my spirit this morning. Awaken me to the cause and the effect it will have if I'm awake and I have a, a sensitive spirit living inside of me. And today, we're all God's children. 99, probably, possibly 100% of this building this morning, you're Christians. But I'm challenging you this morning as you stand to your feet and we come to the close of the message today. I want us to think about how good God has been to America. Just go ahead and stand. I want you to think about how good God has been to our country. I want you to think about this morning how, what the goodness of God can do for anybody. I'm going to close the message this morning with a message that it will include or a prayer that will include the prayer for America.
And what happens in our life is this. When, we're, when we have a relationship with Jesus, we know, according to Romans 8, 28, he's going to work it out for our good. Why? Not because we're perfect, but because we love him. Oh, I, 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 I've got to tell you, while you're on your feet, it's 12 o'clock, but I, I need to tell you another dog story, okay? Everybody take a deep breath. Fallon and I drove to Elk City last night just to watch the ball games. Oh, I had a lot of work to do, but it's, it's all right if the, if the lights don't go out at a certain time at our house. And on our way home, she was telling me about little Rennie, the little dog that she has. She says, Papa, he can be locked up by me, and things are a catastrophe in that in that pet carrier. But when what's her husband's name? But when Trevor she's a present help in time of need. Who's she married to? She says when Trevor puts that dog up, there's no mess when we come back. The the cage could be clean and everything is in order. But when I put her up, it's a nasty mess when I get home. And she said these words, I'm pretty sure it's because she knows I'm connected to her. And she knows when I'm leaving, it's serious business. And you know, I, 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 she didn't know that. She didn't even know that I heard all of it. But I, I left, I unloaded her at her home. And I thought, Lord, I want that kind of a connection with you. I want to be so connected when, when I'm gone, Lord, I'm missed. It's not because of the noise I make. It's not because of the vehicle I drive. I just want to be so connected to you that it makes some difference. And your life makes a difference, too. I, we're no different. We're the same. We're following Jesus together. It's not about the preacher. It's about table servers, and we're all table servers today. Could I ask you this, and then I'm going to pray. Would you check your connection this morning? You may feel like you're in the pet carrier today. You may have even allowed the enemy to sell you on this that nobody really is going to look your way. But if you're connected to Jesus, he's always looking our way. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you, Lord, that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in a day of trouble. He knows those that trust him. And Lord, know our heart this morning. Our trust is in you. You're Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Lord, you came as a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and chastised but our peace was upon your shoulders. And with your stripes, we are healed. I speak a healing across my church family this morning, from the west side of this building to the east, from the front to the back. May there be a bomb of Gilead broken in the closing moments of the service today. I just want to thank you, Lord, because we're connected this morning. 
I just want to thank you, Lord, because you connected us with your blood today. You put your arms around us, and though we strayed, you've never turned loose of us. I pray this morning for America. We stand in honor of America today. Many, many years, different times, different seasons, America has strayed, immorality has taken over, bank robbing and murders have taken place, but the, the people of the church prayed. Father, you brought this back to one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Today, Lord, this is a church family out here in the pasture of Northwest Oklahoma saying, God, in God we trust. We're trusting you, Lord, for a miracle, for the leadership of America. We pray for our president today. We thank you, Lord, for the goodness that you are sharing and angels of protection are around him. And as we leave this building this morning, may each one of us check our connection with you. And can we hear your voice say, all the praise of our love and our continued prayer for you. And all the God's